What's going on, fishing folks? Here's another exciting episode for you. I have Scott Canterbury on there. Now, this Alabama native have won over $1 million in his career on the FLW Tour with nine cup appearances and 10 years as an FLW pro. So he has a lot of experience and he knows what he's doing. But before we get into the interview with Scott, this episode cannot be done without our sponsors. And this episode is brought to you by Go Fish Cam. See what the fish are doing and become a better angler. The Go Fish Cam is your personal underwater fisheye. And by Flat Out Tungsten, there is no equal. Bass Edition Gear took everything good about tungsten and made it better. This episode is also brought to you by Bugs Fishing Lures. Tight life flies, fish like lures, bugs catch fish. Use lures that take the best from the fly fishing world so you can catch your next big lunker. Now, Bugs Lures has caught me everything from redfish to trout to snook to bass to bluegill. I've caught pretty much everything on Bugs Lures, so guys, definitely check those lures out. But without further ado, here is the interview with Scott Canterbury. So, Scott, fill in the blanks. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Hi, Scott Canterbury from just outside of Birmingham, Alabama. I'm from St. Clair County and 40 years old and been fishing FLW Tour for 10 years. This is my 11th year and just, uh, you know, blessed to be able to do do it and love fishing and love the outdoors. And I love every, every minute that I spend on the water. So going back, you know, a decade or so. When did you realize that you wanted to take your fishing career professionally? <laughs> it's pretty, I mean, you know, we got a lot of guys that sort of sort into it or whatever, and it's pretty amazing. I I always wanted to do it and uh, sort of live in a dream. I never really thought or never imagined that I'd be able to do it. You know, I just, uh, con- construction worker. I mean, I went to University of Alabama uh in college for a just for a couple of years and uh school just wasn't for me that much i guess i i love fishing and and uh went to work construction work and just thought i would work my whole life and fish locally but uh it worked out i worked my way up the ranks you know i started out in the grassroots the bfls of lw uh did really well in them and started fishing you know, it used to be the Strands or the Everstarts and everything. It's the Coast Series now. It's the biggest sponsor we've had and, and did really well regionally and then went, started fishing some central divisions where I'd travel a little bit further and, and had some really good years and was working for a buddy of mine as a, as pl- and plumbing at that time. And he allowed me to be off enough to do it. He even traveled and fished with me and that's what boosted my career i mean he he gave me the time and made it where i could uh fish the the tour level after i qualified through those what the coasters are now and and been really fortunate and blessed ever since you know i've had a good career i wouldn't say stellar yet but it's a good career and uh been real fortunate so like you said you said you had a good career but not stellar what will make your career stellar what do you have to do and what do you want to accomplish to take it to that next level well i mean my goal is always to win angler of the year uh i would love to win angler of the year and you know i mean i finished the biggest tournament in bass fishing the forest wood cup you know i mean i finished second in it twice now uh for five hundred thousand dollars both times the last time i lost by one ounce cost me five hundred thousand dollars so you know you know you want to win you want to win that but you want to, I mean, more than winning that championship, I would, I would want to, and it doesn't pay as much, but 
I want to win Angler of the Year. That would sort of solidify everything. Good deal. So, moving on, you want to win Angler of the Year, and you know you have your tournament. You have your chance this year to actually do that. Which lake are you looking forward to this year that you think is your best chance of winning? Oh, man. You know, you ne- we ne- I mean, I've been doing it long enough that you never really know which one you have your best chance. Now, if we was coming to one of my home lakes or something, you know, I would feel that way. But, you know, when we travel like we do, and, I mean, I've fished everywhere we're going this year. So, you know, it just depends on how it sets up when we're there, the water, and what stage the fish are in. I mean, I've had a lot of top ten finishes at Okeechobee where we're starting the year out. I've had one at the Harrison, which is our second tournament. Finished second at the Cup at Lanier, which is our third tournament. You know, I know the lakes. I haven't been to Lanier this the time of year we're going to be there. But, you know, I always just try to look forward to the next tournament. The next one coming up is what I'm looking forward to. And that's, you know, we start next week at Okeechobee. And that's the one you have to concentrate on right now. Good deal. Now, we, we talked beforehand, and you said one of the techniques that you love doing is flipping wood. So I want to get more in detail about actually flipping wood and, and the techniques you use. So with that... um First, why flipping wood? Why is that one of the techniques you enjoy doing? And then uh, let's break down the, the, the system that you use to actually do so. You know, I grew up fishing the Coosa River, uh, Logan Martin, Lay Lake, which we have a lot of grass. But I, I just, I love fishing wood. Uh, I love fishing boat docks, shallow brush, stumps, anything hard cover that's shallow. I love fishing. I mean, I'm a jig fisherman at heart. You know, that's what I like to do. I mean, I fish a lot of plastics on wood, too. But, you know, I like to fish a jig, and it just sets up really good on, on wood everywhere. You know, I, I, I fish a jig a lot of, all, all over the country and look for wood when we go places. You know, in Florida, you don't have much wood, but I have caught some flipping boat docks in Florida. But, uh, you know, that's just what I grew up doing. I feel real comfortable when I'm doing it. I you know, I just feel like I can compete with anybody fishing if I can find fish on shallow wood. That's because a lot of a lot of places, you know, everybody looks for grass or, um, you know, maybe rock or a lot of guys will be out fishing drops and stuff. But if there's enough fish shallow and they're on wood, I feel really comfortable anywhere we go. So what are you looking for? Not all wood is created equal. So when you come up to a, a lay down or a stump, what are you looking for? You know, I mean, it depends. It, you know, you got to figure out where the fish are at. It's the biggest thing. What stage the fish are in? If they're in the creeks, and and then you find wood where the fish are at. And if 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 you're in an area that's got a lot of fish, and and they're going to be on cover. So I mean, there's going to be fish on wood if if you're around the fish in that area of the lake. But you know, I mean, I've told that to everybody over the years. I've had partners that we'd go fish Logan Martin, and he'd just soon drop the trolling motor and start fishing boat docks and fish. 200 of them in a day without without cranking up again where i might run into a stretch where there's 15 boat docks and only fish two of them and leave all docks are not created equal all logs all stuff none of that's created equal it's you know a lot of things are the bottom contour around it whether it has a hard bottom around it or whether it has you know a, a boat docks coming out off of a shank and it's got a four foot drop out toward the end of it you know i mean that could be the biggest difference or one dock sticks out further than the other and then all the rest of them on that bank. If one dock has a brush pile on it, that's that's the whole thing. And I mean, you have to fish them all to realize that you can't just pull up to a section and 
I mean, it doesn't magically just appear to you, you know. I mean, you have to fish. Time on the water is is how you determine what docks are better than others or what laydowns or what stumps and stuff like that. So it's just spending much time as you can on the water trying to get in tune with what's going on. So when you come up to a laydown or a dock, are you fishing the outside and going in or are you fishing the, the inside and coming out? How are you casting and dissecting that particular laydown? I'll, I'll always start at the outside and work in. That way you can catch multiple fish off of a structure. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, if you're fishing laydowns, your, your best opportunity for a bite may be the dead center of it. But if you pitch into the dead center of it and hook a fish and he wraps you up and you got to go in and get him, or a lot of times he creates a lot of commotion coming out, you're not going to catch another fish that was sitting on an outside limb. But if you catch one out on outside, a lot of times that fish on the inside is still there. So this gives you an opportunity for multiple fish if you, you know, I pick it apart from the outside end. Same thing with boat docks. I always fish around the outside edge, the shade line or whatever, and then go up to the darkest spot up under it. Now, as the day goes on, and if you don't get any bites on the outside, and every bite you get is as far under a dock as you can get, that's you know you got to spend most of your time being efficient. Then, so I mean, you just you realize what's going on, and you have to go straight to the darkest spot on the dock first. Outstanding. So let, let's break down. I know you have you said uh, jig is is your your go to when you fish plastics every now and then. Uh, Let's break down the, the flipping jig. I know you have your own particular jig uh, that you created, but let's break down exactly what you're looking for in a jig and why it works. You know, I mean, the best thing about, and I, I, I mean, I don't want to just, there's a lot of good jigs on the market, but I've been dirty jigs tackle for a long time. And just the detail, the attention to detail that they put in a jig is far beyond any other on market. You know, the, the, we, We've worked on jigs, particular my jig. I mean, I worked on it a lot. Getting the angle of the weed guard right. I mean, we may have went through seven or eight, ten different prototypes just to get the angle of the weed guard right to come through cover and still have a good hookup rate. Getting the angle of the eye of the hook right. I mean, the length of the shank of the hook. The There's a lot that goes into it as far as, you know, you want a good hook in a jig, but you don't. I don't want too big of a hook in a jig. You do want a good size hook in a jig. It's all, you know, we offer, a, they offer a jig for everybody. I mean, Dirty Jigs offers a jig for everybody. They, we have so much, so many different options. And the re, the jig that we came up with is the Scott Canterbury flipping jig. I think is the most versatile jig that we have out. And it's the most versatile jig on the market. I mean, I use it for fishing wood uh it, it's pointed enough that it'll come through grass i can swim it on docks i can swim it on sea walls i can actually flip the dock same dock that i'm coming up to uh i've caught them casting it out deep it's just it's an all-around good jig with a gamagatsu hook in it um great you know the colors he has the best colors on the market i think especially the paint jobs are they're second to none he hand paints every jig out there the colors of the skirts are, I mean, we have 70 different skirt colors or something. It's crazy. But the just those attention to detail in making a good jig with, with high-quality materials is is the best out there. I mean, you could, I mean, I used to tie all my own jigs, and, you know, I really enjoyed catching jig fish on baits that I made. And 
I still put together some stuff from now, time to time, but I just don't have time to sit down and spend those hours making all the baits and then and have enough time to fish them as well. So, you know, getting with a good jig manufacturer like Dirty Jigs really helped me out. It's helped my career, and uh, there's just, I mean, you have swim jig, every jig out there, but it's just that attention to detail and using high-quality materials. Now, you said that, you know, attention to detail is something you look into. Now, when you get the jig and you take it out of the package, do you modify it in any way? There's lots of times I modify. There's been, I've done lots of videos on it. Uh, you know, I mean, I always, no matter what jig I ever used, I've always, I cut my weed guard at the angle of the, the shank of the hook instead of being, I, I want to fit the, the bait to enter a fish's mouth easily. So I don't want him to have to really work to get in his mouth. Uh, so I mean, I trim my skirt sometimes, sometimes I don't. It depends on, the size of fish I'm catching, you know, the rate of fall you need. I use different size lines a lot of times. You know, you may be using 15 pound line with a half ounce jig fishing current and you're wanting to get it down deep where if I go shallow with it, I'll go up to 20 pound line just to slow it down a little bit. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of variations as far as modifying a jig or modifying the action of a jig. You know, I mean, I do a, several different video. I've done lots of videos on how I trim a skirt or, you know, if it's a swim jig, I'll flip it upside down and cut the skirt off the head and then cut the back, cut the bottom skirt hook, uh, hook length. And it makes that bait more of a bait fish profile. If I'm swimming it to be more of that bait fish profile, if you're flipping it, you want it to be, a, you know, more imitate more of a crawfish and stuff. So there's lots of times you modify it, but you know, there's a lot of jig, a lot of times where all I do is guard a little bit, and never touch the skirt. If I'm flipping. All right, good deal. Now, when it comes to plastics, how do you sell your soft plastics? Uh, uh, if you can, give me an example of the the soft plastic you're going to use, the hook that you use, and the weight that you use, and the size of the weights, so people can get an understanding of uh, how you're flipping in, in your flipping setup. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, we use soft plastics a lot, especially in the spring when fish are spawning and stuff. They sort of shy away from jigs that time of year, but you know, that's you, you mentioned weights, and that's one thing that most people don't think about. A lot of times you know, over the past, I've broke off several fish on hook sets and not knowing what to happen. But we went to, you know, everybody's using tungsten now. And I use flat-out tungsten. has been with them for three years now, and I've not had a single problem at all. It's probably the best tungsten that I've ever used. I think it's probably the best tungsten on the market. But the the thing is, is tungsten is so much more dense than steel and harder it cuts your it has a tendency to be able to cut your line so a lot of tungstens that i would buy I'd just go to the random store and pick up some tungsten you set the hook a couple of times and it fray your line and you set the hook and it your line and and we did they don't have that problem at flat out and plus the flat out tungstens i mean most you know it, i like a dull finish everybody used to take a you know painter lay it painter tungstens or We've heat them with torches if they're super shiny silver. You heat them up with a torch so they turn cherry red. When they cool off, they're black. Well, flat out is a, it's a black, it's a uh, chemically treated tungsten that's already black, doesn't chip, doesn't scratch, does not ever change. I mean, it's just a, it's just black. It's a dull black finish all the time. And that's one thing that, you know, that you have to pay attention to. I use those, but I use, I mean, all sorts of 
different style baits. You know, I my I like a pocket crawl. Uh, that's number, I guess, a baby. I mean, I flip a baby pocket crawl a lot. I mean, it's just a little smaller profile than the big pocket crawl. And, and you know, I mean, fish, when, when they're on plastics, I mean, a lot of people, there's so many different plastics on the market. But, I mean, I flip a, you know, a salt lick. It's just like a, it's a stick bait, soft stick bait, you know. We'll flip it a lot when you don't want action, but when you want action, I flip a pocket crawl a lot or a baby pocket crawl. And I do the same thing as I do, you know, I attack cover the same way I do with a jig. Start with the outside, work my way in. Except that plastic, a lot of times, I don't know. The, the There's a few places that we catch them on jig when they're spawning, but most of the time when fish get ready to spawn, they shy off of a jig for sure, and, and they go. And you can switch over to a creature bait, some sort of soft plastic, and still get those same amount of bites. And that's just something you just figure out during the course of the week or that, that every day could change. And uh, plastic would be a lot better, you know. A T-Mac worm, I've even go down to even flipping a T-Mac on a quarter-ounce weight a lot of times. If you want a slow fall and you're fishing something real subtle, we'll go down to like a T-Mac worm, and that's just a straight stick worm from net bait as well. Oh, thank you. That's good information. Uh, I want to get in, into detail about two particular uh, situations. When do you use fluorocarbon and when do you use braid? You know, I'm a fluorocarbon guy, I would say. I fish fluorocarbon probably 80%, 85% of the time. I mean, I use braid some if I'm fishing around a lot of vegetation. I use braid. If I'm flipping heavy grass, I definitely use braid. Um, if I'm swimming a jig, I'm using braid. Most if it's in, it's around cover, you know, I'm using braid. But if it's open water or, uh, just normal flipping wood, I use fluorocarbon because especially around bushes and stuff, I use a, a heavy fluorocarbon. You know, I'll go 20 pound fluorocarbon. That braid, a lot of times around brush and stuff will get caught on, the braid will actually get caught on the, on the limbs, the bark and stuff, bury itself into a piece of wood where fluorocarbon will slide over it. If you hook a fish, you can drag him over it with fluorocarbon where a braid might dig its way in a lot of times. So, I mean, I'm, I use fluorocarbon probably 80% of the time or 85, but if I'm around veget- heavy vegetation or, or fishing that thick vegetation, I use braid. All right. And then your, your dirty jigs comes with a stout hook already, the flipping jig. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But when it, when it comes to your soft plastic, if you have the pocket craw, what type of hook are you using? And are you snelling the, the, the hook or what are you doing as far as a knot? You know, it depends. If I'm, if I'm really a short line fishing, uh, flipping more real, real close to the boat, I do like a, a straight shank, heavy wire hook and I snell knot it. But if I'm, if I'm casting a bait or something like that, I use a, an EWG and, most of the time, I don't. I just use a. Uh, I di- I don't use a snail knot on that most of the time. So, you know, it just depends on what what I'm doing. How, if I am flipping, is about the only time I snail knot a bait. Well, Scott, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. But right after that, we we'll have a rapid fire Q and A question there for you. I'm going to try to put you on the hook for a quick second. Flipping heavy cover? Well, it can be a field of dreams or a nightmare without the right tungsten. 
That's why we at Bass Addiction Gear created the Flat Out Tungsten, the only line of weights you will ever need. Our no-paint, four-step patent pinning process keeps a flat, neutral color, so there's no longer need for a magic marker or spray paint. And with our smooth bore and rifling, you will get no cuts and breakage of the line. Best of all, we don't inflate our prices like the other brands. Don't be fooled by copycats. It's Bass Addiction's flat-out tungsten. There is no equal. Did that fish commit or did it take a lazy swipe in my lure? Should I speed up my retrieval or slow it down? When you can't see what the bass are doing, these are just a few of the questions you ask yourself, but not anymore. The GoFish cam ties on between your main line and your lure, giving you a fisheye view of what's going on, allowing you to see what the bass are doing and make the necessary adjustments. It's your underwater eyes and your new fish finder. It's the GoFish cam. Check them out at gofishcam.com slash OTH and use promo code OTH to save 15% off your order. Howdy from Texas. This is Heath Hipple with Bugs Fishing. Bugs are fishing lures that are tied like flies. They're great for sight casting because they land softly, look alive in the water, and imitate what the fish are feeding on. Please visit BugsFishing.com to learn more, and that's Bugs with two Gs. You can also see everything I'm tying on the Bugs Fishing Instagram and Facebook pages. Remember, tide like flies, fish like lures, bugs catch fish. Catch you later. All right, Scott, so here's the rapid-fire questions. The first question is, if you're not fishing, what are you doing? Man, I'm fishing most of the time. Here lately, I've been working on my house is all I've done. But, uh, you know, everybody asks me when I'm fishing, what am I doing? Well, I am fishing. I mean, I, I like to fish. When we're not at a tournament, I still like to fish three or four days a week. All right, and what would your ideal career be if you weren't a professional angler? Ideally, you know, I mean, if you wasn't – if you wanted to make money, ideally, I'd love to be a golfer, but I'm not good enough for that. I love to play golf. Uh, that'd be one thing I do when I'm fishing, too. I like to play. I'm not any good, but I like to get out and hit it, and uh, golfers make a lot of money. So I know you can make a good living if you was at golfing. Oh, yeah. Now, the next question was Angler of the Year or the FLW Cup, but you got to answer that question. So I'm going to say why Angler of the Year. I, d- I mean, you know. I'd love to have either one of them and love and even like it more if I could win both, especially in the same year. But, uh, you know, I mean, when you win angler of the year, it shows that you've been consistent all year long. You were the most consistent fisherman on tour for a year. You wasn't, you wasn't the best fisherman on a particular lake for three days. You was the best one all year long is why I say angler of the year is it, to me, it sort of solidifies things more than winning one tournament, especially because a lot of guys, I mean, a lot of cups have been won by the guy that lives on the lake or, or the hometown guy. You know, I mean, I I got beat by a hometown guy by one ounce. And I, I had to fish on to win the tournament, but I didn't land him. So I just think that it solidifies your career a little bit more if you if you win Angler of the Year rather than win one tournament. All right. What's one fishing-related thing that's on your bucket list? On my bucket list, I would love to go down to the Amazon or somewhere and catch some big, huge peacock bass. I mean, it's just, I love fishing topwater. That's another bait that I like to fish. I mean, I like to fish baits that catch big fish, and a jig's one of them, and topwater's another. And, man, to go down and catch some of those big peacocks on a big chopper-style bait or a big pencil bait or something would just be unbelievably, it, it, it is on my bucket list, and I'm going to do it one day. It's on my bucket list too. That's something I definitely want to try myself. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
All right, now, if you could spend one leisure day of fishing with one person, who would it be? Golly. You know, I mean, it may sound crazy, but I really enjoy taking, I really enjoy taking my daughter fishing. You know, she's gotten into hunting the past couple of years, and we spent some good days hunting, but she she still enjoys fishing, and we don't get to go very often, but I, I mean, just to go out and have a good time, that's who I like taking. Good deal. Now, I want to piggyback on that just a little bit with that question. Um, when you're out on a tour and you're fishing with all of these great anglers, do you pay attention to what they're doing uh, on the water, or are you just, you know, head down, grinding it out with your techniques, with your your decision-making and, and making it the decisions yourself? No, I do my own thing. I mean, you know, I mean, we I talk to a couple of guys, but it's the very few guys that, that, that I do talk to during the week. Uh, you know, we'll, we may talk on the phone during the day or we may talk at night after the first day of practice. I room with Jay Ellis. He's, I mean, been one of the best mentors somebody could ask for. And, you know, we talk and we don't actually, we never end up in the same area fishing. It doesn't seem like we've been doing it for 10 years and we fished around each other. You know, I can count them on one hand how many times we fished around each other, but, uh, you know, we do talk and discuss patterns or how the fish are acting. So, but but while I'm on the water, we do I do my own thing. I don't really worry about anybody else. Awesome. Well, Scott, uh, we're nearing the end of this podcast, but I just want to tell you that I have a great feeling about you this year on the tour. I think you're going to do amazing. Just just a little tidbit for you. Well, I appreciate that. That's I mean, I really do. Looking forward to getting it started too. I mean, you know. Uh, We'll be doing a lot on Facebook and uh, Instagram, just trying to let keep everybody informed. I'm looking forward to getting the year started next week. Outstanding. Now, let's end this on a good note. Can you tell our listeners one piece of advice, one golden nugget that will help them become a better angler? Have confidence in what they're doing. Uh, you know, I mean, there's so many different patterns going on on a lake. You know, there's, somebody's going to win a tournament flipping. But the guy that comes in second place may be throwing a swim jig. So, I mean, you know, if you've got enough confidence in what you're doing and get, getting bites, doing what the way that you like getting bites, you know, uh, just have confidence in it. That's the biggest key, I think, and that's the best bait that anybody can use is confidence, having confidence in what they're out on the water, keeping their head down and grinding it out. I mean, there'll be that, you know, 1 o'clock, that last hour of the tournament, sometimes is the very or it always is the very most important to me you may get that bite that you know that if you'd have got that bite two hour, an hour into the tournament you was paying 100 percent attention you was ready and you wasn't gonna miss him but when you get that bite right at the end of the day you got to be paying just as much attention as you was when the tournament started and have as much confidence then so i mean you know pay attention to what you're doing keep your head down and have confidence in what you're doing couldn't have said it better myself now Scott, I'm going to let you go, but before you do, tell everybody where they can get some more information about you and follow you this year on the FLW Tour. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll we'll be, like I said, we'll be doing a lot this year on Facebook. Uh, Canterbury Fishing is my Facebook page, my my ProLine page, and uh, Scott Canterbury on Instagram, or I think Canterbury Fishing there as well. So we'll be doing a lot. We do some giveaways for my sponsors throughout the year and uh, just keep Keep up with us, and we'll be doing, you know, on Facebook and Instagram, we'll be doing that all year long. Awesome. Good deal. Well, good luck this year. Uh, the first tournament coming up in a couple of weeks, and uh, I am should be down there to cheer you on. So I good. wish you the best. Appreciate it. Uh, you know, anytime, 
you got anything you need, just let me know. We'll be around. Sounds good, Scott. Have a nice one. Thank you, sir. Well, fishing folks, as you can see, Scott is a wealth of knowledge. We definitely have to have him back on again. But be sure to check out the podcast and past episodes. You can find it on Facebook at thefishingmansjournal.com and on YouTube and SoundCloud. So be sure to check it out. Subscribe. If you have any apps on your phone that has podcasts on it, you can find it on there as well on the hook. Until next time, guys, tight lines and big fish. <laughs>